the Holy Gospel according to John, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In the gospel story of the wedding at Cana, the evangelist John says, the wine gave out. I wonder if the guests even noticed. Maybe among the servants, there was a moment of panic. There weren't corner stores where somebody could just pop out and replenish the supplies. There may have been anxiety and even shame at falling short, at not being able to provide what was needed. But my guess is that the guests whose cups were still full and who were enjoying the feast may not have even noticed the problem, at least not immediately, because we don't often when there aren't enough of fill-in-the-blank, a shortage of teachers or restaurant workers or cereal boxes are missing from the grocery aisles or your favorite sodas or drinks are missing. We don't tend to notice until it affects us directly. But at some point, the unmet needs go from being merely an inconvenience to being problems that need solutions. In his gospel account, John doesn't tell us who else noticed that the wine was gone, but when Jesus' mother notices the problem, she goes to Jesus, full of expectation. And when he turns the water into wine, the servants are in on it. 
They fill all six stone water jars to the brim with water and watch as one of them takes a cup to the chief steward. They know it was water and now it's wine. And they know that Jesus was the one to take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. But the steward doesn't thank Jesus. Instead, he credits the bridegroom, saying, you have kept the good wine until now. When a good thing happens to you or you see a problem get fixed, what is your first thought? Do you think, oh, someone clever has worked this out? Or do you think, thank you, God, for making a way forward? Okay, maybe that is a bit of a false dichotomy or comparison. In the gospel story, each of the stone jars would have held between 20 to 30 gallons of water, and all of that water had to be brought from a well. There were no garden hoses or faucets, so filling the jars to the brim wouldn't have been as quick or easy as the story makes it appear. It would have taken time and strength, energy and patience. We don't know what would have happened if the servants had just thrown up their hands and said, we can't help. The servants did some hard work here. And God is at work behind the scenes. I'll name that Jesus' initial reluctance to get involved makes me uncomfortable. I cherish the promise that God is with us in every circumstance, big and small. And I don't like the feeling of distance that Jesus creates here. I want Jesus to be extraordinarily compassionate about every need. And he appears dismissive here. And sure, it's wine at a wedding and not life or death. But it's still awkward. Jesus explains his reticence, saying, My hour has not come. A phrase he repeats two more times in chapters 7 and 8 when he was threatened with arrest on account of his teaching. With that phrase, he is referring to the hour when the Son of Man will be glorified and depart from this world to be with the Father the hour of his crucifixion. But thankfully, after the exchange with his mother, Jesus chooses to act, even now. He sees the need that is there and he answers it. He is there, even for the small things. It makes me curious about how we notice needs and how we could help each other see what we may not see on our own. How can we see the world the way Jesus sees it? There's a saying that says, you can't unsee what you've seen. I've told you a little bit about Trailhead Resources, a local organization that's meeting the needs of people experiencing homelessness here in Shelby. 
At the end of the summer, I helped with the group's day shelter over on Warren Street that is open on Tuesdays. Everyone is welcome inside, off the street, and there's a food pantry and lunch. In December, they expanded their services, opening an emergency shelter on Washington Street, just across the street from our church property. At Trailhead, I got to know a woman here in Shelby who doesn't have regular housing. A lot of the time, she spends her days at her storage unit, and then she sleeps on a loading dock at night. She sleeps there because it's well lit and nobody bothers her. The other place where she feels safe to sleep is on the benches on the court square under the lights. One time we helped her get a motel room so she could get out of the wet for a night. Another time we got her a sleeping bag to help against the cold. Knowing her has helped me be a little more curious about the stories of the people I meet and has helped me notice when I see someone who looks like they may be carrying all their belongings with them or have set up camp on the side of a building, I can't unsee them or deceive myself that everyone has someplace warm or dry or even safe to live. The wedding at Cana assures us that God wants good for us. The God who changes water into wine so that the people can continue to celebrate the couple's new life together is the same God who notices us and the joys and the celebrations and the suffering that we experience too. And this same God invites us to be attentive to the unmet needs that we witness. Like Jesus' mother, we can name those needs aloud. That's kind of what we do when we pray, isn't it? Dear God, this is happening. There's this problem in the world. Surely you can do something about it. Dear God, there are people this weekend whose only shelter is a tent. Keep them safe. Dear God, there are hospitals stretched thin because of staff outages from COVID. Equip the hospitals and provide the workers with all they need. This story reminds us that we know how to be part of God's work in this way, and it compels us to be thankful. When we notice how God intervenes, the way things fall into place, or the good that happens, may we credit not only the people involved, but God's own agency. May we always be thankful and rejoice that God loves us and wants good for us. Amen.